0: Thank you for listening to this talk, produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. So, welcome everybody. My name is Julie Robinson. I'm the Senior Curator of Prints, Drawings and Photographs. And I've put together this exhibition, The Sleep of Reason Produces Monsters, which is a complementary exhibition to the Adelaide Biennial. And this exhibition, as you can see on the walls, provides a historical context to the Biennial by surveying monsters in European printmaking from the 15th to the 19th centuries. The majority of the works on the walls are from the Gallery's collection but we're also very grateful for some key loans from the National Gallery of Victoria, uh, the Kerry Stokes Collection and private collections of Theodore Wong and of Carolyn Corkindale. Now to return to the title of this exhibition to start with, The Sleep of Reason Produces Monsters actually is the title of a Goya engraving and it can be seen on the wall to the left. Goya's title suggests that monsters appear when rational thought is abandoned or when sleep gives way to nightmares and that is true for much of the works in this exhibition. In representing monsters, artists were essentially giving visual form to something which they couldn't see that perhaps doesn't exist. However, many people believed in these monsters. So there was a firm belief and artists had that um, uh, quest, I guess, to, to represent the monsters in some form. So how did they do that? So artists actually drew on their own imagination, but they also, interestingly, and you'll see it throughout the exhibition, went to literary sources. So, for instance, the Bible, Uh, books about classical mythology. They also drew on folklore and contemporary events. And all of these descriptions helped to um, give them a sense of what they wanted to do with monsters. The one thing in common that monsters had was that monsters were evil beasts or threats and they played on human fears and follies. At times they represented a warning or an omen they might represent a temptation or a trial to be uh, overcome and often represented uh, Satan or the devil. And most of the monsters in this show in some way tie back to Satan or the devil. So as well as the works of Goya who have mentioned already, this work, this exhibition includes works by many of the key European printmakers, major printmakers. This includes Albrecht Dürer, Jacques Callot, William Blake, and Odilon Redon. But these works by these major artists are here seen in a new light. So you see perhaps some familiar images, but now you're seeing them through the prism of monster imagery. And today's talk is going to particularly focus on the work of Albrecht Dürer and his contemporaries who were working in Germany in the late 15th and early 16th centuries. And in particular, these artists, well, the works I'm looking at today, are looking at monsters as signs of forthcoming misfortune. The starting point for um, this display um, and for this exhibition Drew on Lee Robb's talk where Lee Robb being the curator of the biennial, she talked about the meaning of the word monster. And it comes from two Latin words, one of which means to make visible, and the other one means to warn. And immediately that made me think of um, this work here, Albrecht Durer's engraving, The Monstrous Sow of Lancer, of 1496. And that became the key image as the starting point for this exhibition. and I'm very grateful to the National Gallery of Victoria who have loaned us this work for the exhibition. So what is it about this image? Why, why is it important? Why, why did I remember it? In Germany during the 1490s, um, that, that period was a very pious <coughs> sorry, a pious time. And many people believe that contemporary disasters um, and miracles were omens that the end of the world was coming and include omens omens included unnatural births and celestial ph- phenomena such as comets and so on and of course this is a, a very good example of one such omen this is the birth of uh, this engraving um, represents the birth of a deformed pig in the village of Lancer in Alsace on the 1st of March 1496. That's a long time ago. <laughs> the pig had, it was recorded, the pig had one head, two tongues, four ears, two bodies and eight feet. And so it's shown here in this engraving by Dura. But Jura could not have seen this pig. In fact, it only lived for one day. But it became uh, very famous through a broadsheet, which was published at the time. So a broadsheet was like uh, a precursor to a newspaper. So it was very topical. There was an image, a very rough woodcut image, and there was this text which talked about the significance of this birth and what it would mean. And so that was written by the German writer Sebastian Brandt. And he speculated that it could be a, a warning or a, a political warning, um, representing a political message. So it could be power, for instance, in the hands of sow like people. So power in the hands of those that you didn't really want to have the power. Or it could be seen as an apocalyptic warning, as the symbol of the Antichrist. Now when we look at the image today, we, without that knowledge, we wouldn't have known what what people were seeing when they saw that image, but it became very um, potent. This small, humble engraving became very potent at this period. This engraving is from the early part of Albrecht Dürer's career, and Dürer went on to become the most um, significant Renaissance painter, printmaker and art theorist in Germany. And it was really in printmaking that he was the most influential He made many, many engravings like this one, the engravings being made on metal plates, and he made many, many woodcuts like you see the examples here, uh, which I'm about to speak about. These these works here, these large ones on the wall here, are from his first um, illustrated book, The Apocalypse, and he began working on that in 1497, so the year after he created this work, and he finished and published it in 1498. Um, The Apocalypse represented the first time that an artist had ever conceived, uh, illustrated and published his own book. And really, um, it marked the starting point of the the printmaking tradition where artists were... it became artists, printmakers, realising the full potential of the printmaking medium. I keep talking about The Apocalypse as a book. It's clearly here seen as single sheets on a wall. The significance of this book was it was published as a book, and the images took precedence. They were full-page images, and the text just ran on uh, after the images. And because of the significance of these images, many of these books or most of these books have been cut up, and so they're often displayed as single plate images here. The book called the apocalypse um, illustrates the prophetic visions of saint john the divine which are written about in the bible's book the last book revelation and for dura that was a very topical series to illustrate uh, based on what i've told you about the the fears that the end of the world was coming And in fact, it was more specific than that. There was a lot of people at the time who thought that the end of the world was coming in the year 1500. So to get it published in 1498, it immediately struck a chord with people. And he published it in Latin and German editions so that it had a broader reach. His woodcuts, as you can see here, are very chaotic scenes of death and destruction, of grotesque beasts and sort of... um, amazing visions that are occurring and you know I've known this series for a long time it's, it's familiar to a lot of people but it, for the purposes of this exhibition I really honed in on what were the beasts that and the monsters that Dura was depicting in, these, in this series and I returned to the actual text of Revelation to read uh, a bit more about the descriptions of the monsters in Revelation and I found that there was actually little description of their physical form. There was description of what these monsters and beasts and dragons were doing but very little description of their physical form apart from um, the fact that they would have seven heads and ten horns. So throughout Revelation it's, uh, there's reference to many, several dragons and several beasts that have seven heads and ten horns the only one that i could see a good description of was one that came out of the the beast that came out of the sea which resembled a leopard but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion that's not a lot to go on so then you look into these images and you see how Dura has depicted these beasts so in this one for instance here plate 12 the beast with the seven heads and the beast with the lamb's horn because there's actually two beasts in this image Jura um, has used that as a sta- that description as a starting point to imagine his beast each of the seven heads is a different sort of animal like heads head and some of them are a bit recognisable as animals um, perhaps an ostrich this one even looks like a snail some one looks a bit like a lion but really they're imaginary um, and then he shows the lamb uh, this uh, the beast which had two horns like a lamb um, but spoke like a dragon is here this other second beast in this image. In time that he represented these beasts throughout the the apocalypse sometimes it's the same beast in the text but he represented it slightly differently so he used his imagination each time and the more you read it the more by implication you realize that these beasts are all uh, uh, seem to represent the devil in some form so the devil uh, at this early stage has represented through another body you know these bestial bodies um, and it's that becomes a theme that develops later in this exhibition particularly on the red wall where you see lots of in uh, lots of illustrations of the devil in various forms one of the most famous images from the apocalypse series is the four horsemen of the apocalypse and again that introduces another form of monster imagery in a sense um, or monstrous imagery in the form of death. So this is the four horsemen of the apocalypse, uh, one representing the conqueror, one representing war, one representing famine and the fourth rider representing death on a pale horse here. And so again that's personifying something that people, you know, there's, it's, it's real but you can't see it. You can't see it. And then following death is hell here. So this gaping mouth here is the mouth of hell. There's two other examples on this other wall here, on the red wall, which have St Michael fighting the dragon. And again, that's from the Apocalypse, and again, the dragon is a representation of the devil. And the angel with the key to the bottomless pit Again, the um, beast coming out of the pit is the devil, so the best uh, idea is for you to look closely at these works and consider the uh, representation uh, of of his imagination and the representation of the beasts and the devil also on this uh, wall adjacent is the book the Nuremberg chronicle now that 's a, a a book that was published in 1490. It was created from 1490 to 93 and published in 1493. It's open on a page called the Antichrist. The interesting thing about the Nuremberg Chronicle is that it was created in Nuremberg, obviously where Durer was working. Durer was apprentice to the two um, artists who created this Nuremberg Chronicle and he is thought to have um, learnt woodcutting in the studio while this book was in production. He probably even created some of the work. Um, The book itself created an important uh, precedent for him in working on the Apocalypse, but what you see with the uh, Nuremberg Chronicle is more the text takes precedence over the images and the book remains intact as a book. Also on this wall I just quickly mentioned there's um, you know, there's a whole sense of um, superstition and fear that links back to imagery of witches too. You might see several images of witches which were very um, topical at the time and also the idea of death. And this engraving, I might just point out, this engraving by Jura of Night, Death and the Devil which was one of his most... Uh, famous engravings. This is from the high point of his career, so um, the date of this is 1513. So we're looking at, you know, 15 or so years on from the apocalypse. And um, interesting, at this period, his engravings have a different aesthetic to his woodcuts. They're designed for a, a humanist, scholarly audience and are embedded with a lot of symbolism. So this engraving has um, been the subject of a lot of debate over the centuries. When Durer made it, he just called it the Rider. But in the 18th century, it became known as Night, Death, and the Devil, which is the the title that it has today. So uh, as I said, there's a lot of debate. I guess the, the greatest consensus is around the fact that this knight here represents the Christian night and that Christian night is following this um, straight and narrow path of goodness and um, morality etc and ignoring and not being distracted by the figure of death here. And the devil in the background, and the devil there is looking like a horned beast, like um, uh, with with a sow-like face, and standing on two cloven hooves. Um, so the, the Christian knight, ignoring death, ignoring the devil, and 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 continuing straight on. So these are the monsters that lurk in the shadows, trying to tempt tempt the Christian knight. Um, And that points to uh, a lot of the uses of monsters throughout this exhibition. Monsters uh, as fearful beings, as trying to tempt someone uh, away from uh, good behaviour. And you see another... And and reminders. These prints were reminders of the transience of life and that death was coming. Uh, Life was fleeting. I think... um, I might wrap up by saying that this exhibition being about printmaking is not accidental because it was in printmaking that artists they didn't have the perhaps um, to fit into the traditions of the fine art traditions of painting and sculpture and what were acceptable subject matters. Printmaking was a lot closer to news making and topical Images of topical relevance that could be distributed widely through prints. And so they had you know they were about imparting knowledge about the world in a, a very immediate way. And it was in these forms that artists had the um, freedom, I guess, to visualize the monsters that perhaps don't appear in some of the other um, forms. Thank you. I'll leave that there.